Welcome to the August 7th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, and the sermon is entitled, Qualifying the Called, delivered today by Pastor Emeritus Dr. Michael Fitzgerald. So one of the first uh, items of business, I'll put it like that, uh, that I had to do uh, as coming on a senior pastor is in two months, it was revival time. And so as I began to pray, Lord, who, how should I handle revival? There's a lot of people that said, you just preach it. And I thought about that. But I also thought about those people who have made an impact in my life throughout ministry. And it started last week with Pastor Clyde. And this week, as Pastor Mike comes to this pulpit, it's, it's nothing that goes unsaid, but the greatest mentor of my life stands beside me and behind me right now. And so I think, I think many of us could say the same thing, but the men that you will hear from this week are, are the men that pulled in beside me, even from the early days in the Methodist church. Yes, I grew up in the Methodist church, but even from those days, these guys pulled in beside me and they have continued to stand beside me even to today. And I'm grateful and honored to bring uh, to this first revival service our, our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Mike Fitzgerald. Good morning, Clifford Baptist Church. I am glad to see you here, and I am so thankful Pastor Jeffrey and the church invited me to this hallowed ground. I love this place and I love to be here and I'm so grateful to be with you this morning as we begin revival services. Uh, I have to tell you over the last couple of months Gwen and I have done a little traveling. Uh, I have gone to some of the churches that I'm serving uh, in the revitalization effort so we visited there. We visited with some family. Uh, last week we were in church in North Carolina and when we came home, we came home via uh, Crew, Virginia. How many of you know where Crew, Virginia is? Do you know that is, the, that is the burial spot for Lottie Moon, our patron saint that we take up the offering for international missions. And so I told Gwen, I want to go by Lottie's uh, gravesite. I'd never been there before, so we found it, and I went and Gwen with, went with me to Lottie Moon's gravesite. And as I stood there, I said, Gwen, wouldn't it be an awesome thing if Jesus came back right now and I get to go to heaven with my wife on one side and Lottie Moon on the other. But obviously that did not happen because God has more to do in this world and God has more to do with Clifford Baptist Church. I say to you this morning, as has already been said, the Spirit of God is here. We feel His presence. He is going to do His part. As we begin this revival, we are to do our part in seeking Him and coming before Him with our lives. And so I am so thankful for the pulpit of Clifford Baptist Church today as we begin this week of revival services as hallowed ground. But these are not just formal meetings. These are meetings in which we lay ourselves before the will of Almighty God and ask for His blessing and ask that we will lead Him and follow His leading in all ways. And a great revival begins this minute. A great revival begins with this service. I want you to remember a good football game begins with the kickoff. A good flight begins with the takeoff. 
We're at the takeoff, kickoff phase right now, this moment, as we come before God to seek his leading. A great preacher of the 1800s whose name was Charles Finney said this, A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. And that's true for every single life here, that we are to be obedient in following where God's plan is and what God's purpose is for our own lives. And we need this week to be available to follow him however he might direct us and redirect us. So as I sought the Lord about this opening message of revival services beginning today, he pointed me back to the book of Exodus Now, in recent weeks, Pastor Jeffrey has been leading you in a study of Joshua, and I have followed the study. I've listened to every sermon, a supreme sermon series, as we study how Joshua led God's people to conquer and inhabit the promised land that was given to them by God. But I want to take us back in history before the book of Joshua, uh, before the Israelites are released from slavery and captivity in Egypt, So as I sought the word of God, he took me back in time. For 400 years, the Israelites had been slaves in the country of Egypt. And God had a plan to free them from that slavery. All two million of those Israelites freed from slavery. And he would take them out of Egypt and out of captivity to a land of milk and honey. A land that he had promised them. The promised land of God. And so as we think about that, it would all begin with the calling of one man who would lead the Israelites out. He would go to Egypt, he would confront the Pharaoh there, and he would, by God's authority and power, lead the Israelites out of Egypt, going toward this promised land that God was going to give to them. His name, of course, is Moses. It all begins with Moses. If you turn in your Bible today, Exodus chapters 3 and 4, and you have some notes of sermons that I may have preached, uh, those notes are about 15 years old. I preached in this passage in 2007. And so as we come now to this passage, uh, I'm revisiting it and renewing it. I didn't look at those old sermon notes. I just know that's the last time I preached there. But briefly, let me remind you that Moses was born an Israelite. However, he was adopted and raised as an Egyptian. Remember, he was pulled out of the bulrushes by the daughter of the Pharaoh, and he was raised as an Egyptian, but he never lost touch with the fact that he was truly an Israelite, that he truly belonged to the God of Israel. When he was 40, if you remember, he saw an Egyptian taskmaster mistreating an Israelite, and he killed that taskmaster. And because his own life then came under question in in Egypt, he ran for his life. He ran 200 miles in order to save his own skin, and he ended up in the country of Midian. And there in Midian, he met the priest of Midian, whose name was Jethro, and Jethro had seven daughters, one of them particularly beautiful to Moses, and Moses married this beautiful daughter with a homely name. Her name was Zipporah. Can you imagine saying that name every morning across the breakfast table for the rest of your life? But he married this beautiful woman. She became his wife for 40 years. Moses and Zipporah lived right there on the father's farm. And Moses was a keeper of the sheep. He became a shepherd of his own father-in-law's sheep. They They were not even his own sheep. They belonged to Jethro. 
So he had a rather common job in that he shepherded his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years, taking them to the backside of the desert. It was a quiet existence, uh, and yet as he aged through life, he was 40 when he killed the taskmaster, when he got married, he lived that life for 40 more years. So he was 80 years old at this point that we meet him in the book of Exodus at 80 years old. God completely changed his life. Now, as we open this passage, I believe that Moses knew God. And, of course, you know that God calls to him out of a burning bush. And when God calls to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, out of this burning bush, Moses recognizes the voice and he says, here am I. So I believe there was a deep knowledge in Moses that he belonged to God. And the Lord appeared to Moses at that burning bush and gave him a new purpose. He gave him a revival. He gave him a new step of obedience. If we're going to follow the Lord God in our own lives, nothing has changed. We are to daily look for that new step of obedience that we're to take in Him. So in this first sermon of revival, let me say this. God can change your life in a moment. And age does not matter your physical standing does not matter, but rather God can redirect us and revive us and bring us to new obedience in any step of our lives, in any age of our lives. At that bush in the desert, God called Moses to lead two million Israelites out of Egyptian slavery to a good land, a promised land, the land of milk and honey. And we see that call in Exodus chapter 3. But as God calls Moses, immediately Moses questions God's call. Moses backs down on what God is calling him to do. We see that call, and as we see Moses question him over and over again, I can only imagine how God must react to that. But, but Moses says, come on, God, I'm old, and I'm weak, and and I'm untalented, and I stutter. There's no way that I can do this job of going into Egypt and leading two million people out, confronting Pharaoh. I just can't do that job. But God counters every one of Moses' excuses by simply saying, I'll be with you every step of the way. I am that I am. I am Jehovah, I am Yahweh, I'm the God of the universe, and I promise you, Moses, I will stand with you and step with you every step you take. I will be by your side. Moses still will not accept revival. He will not accept this new call to obedience. So I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 4. So the call begins in Exodus 3, but we move on into Exodus chapter 4. As Moses gives excuse after excuse to Almighty God, the Lord gives him three signs of his power and his authority that rests on him. Now, one of the reasons I'm preaching this sermon today is because in my devotional study months ago, as I looked at these three points of authority that God lays on Moses, I see that authority on us as well. I want to bring the similarity to us. So let's read Exodus chapter 4. Look at verses 1 through 9. Keep your Bible open. We're going to go through verse 13 before this is done. But let's look at these first nine verses, Exodus chapter 4. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me 
nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and poured upon the dry ground, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry ground. Three signs, signals of authority that God has laid his plan and his will and his purpose and his power on this little man Moses. So in Exodus 4.1, Moses actually confronts God, talks back to God. That's a dangerous thing, talk back to God. It's a bold act. But he said, God, you're calling me to this great task, but the Israelites will never believe that I'm the one that's supposed to lead them out. I, I'm, I'm just a little 80-year-old shepherd man. I don't have anything going for me. They're looking for this young prince. They're looking for this mighty general. They're looking for this guy that looks like Dwayne the Rock Johnson to appear on the scene, all muscled up to lead them out as the great deliverer out of Egypt. I'm a nobody. I look like a nobody. I talk like a nobody. They won't believe it's my call, God. And God said, Moses, I'm going to give you three signs to show Israel that my power is upon you. And God says, Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a rod, a prod for sheep, a stick. And God says, throw that stick, throw that rod on the ground. And as Moses cast that rod onto the ground, it did become a snake. In Hebrew, the word is nachash. It means a hissing creature. And the Bible teaches us that as Moses saw that snake on the ground. I get a little humor here. That old stick becomes a snake, and it says that Moses flees from the snake. In Hebrew, the word flee means very, very fast movement. I have to giggle when I think about an 80-year-old with fast movement. I giggle because I know what it is to be a 65-year-old with fast movement. But Moses sees that snake, adrenaline hits his system, and he moves quickly away from the snake like a teenager. But God says, Moses, come on back here. Pick that snake up by the tail. And Moses obeys, and that, that snake by the tail becomes the rod again. 
By the way, that stick, that rod, would be Moses' symbol of authority all 40 years of his ministry to Israel. You know, you and I also have a long-term sign of God's authority here. We don't need a stick. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, You and I have a sword. We don't need a stick. We have the sword, the Word of God. That is our authority. We speak from God's Word. We preach from God's Word. We follow God's Word. That is His authority to us. We don't need a stick because we have the Word. Isn't that a better sign? I believe it is. So God improved the sign from Moses to us. He had a stick. We have the Word. What a great message that is to us. Second proof of God's call on Moses is in Exodus chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. God says, put your hand into your robe, Moses. Put it over your heart. And God instructs him to do that. Moses obeys, and when he pulls it out, his hand is diseased and white and ravished and rotting by leprosy. Of course, leprosy in that day was a death sentence. If you got leprosy, you would always have leprosy, and slowly your body would give way to leprosy, and you would eventually die from it. But God said, now, Moses, I want you to put your hand back into your robe over your heart. And when he pulls his hand out, it is like the rest of the skin on his body, just clean and pure and good and healthy again. That's the second sign that God gave to Moses, a healed hand. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, have a greater sign in that we have a healed heart that comes through Jesus Christ and His salvation and His grace and His blessing. When we come to Him as our Lord and our Savior, He took a heart that was ravaged and dying by sin and completely healed it and restored it. Moses had a healed hand. You and I have a better sign. We have a healed heart because Jesus Christ gave Himself that we might be healed of sin. Praise God. The third sign. Exodus chapter 4, verse 9. God says, Moses, when you get to Pharaoh, here's the greatest sign of all. If they won't listen, as Israel does not hear you on these other two signs, when you get to Pharaoh, here's the greatest of the three signs. You dip water out of the Nile River. And when you pour that water on dry ground, it will become blood. What God wanted Moses to do in pouring water which becomes blood on the ground is to show Pharaoh and show all of Egypt that God is serious about saving his people and freeing his people. But today we know that that third sign points forward. It points to blood that spilled on the ground beside an old rugged cross by the Lamb of God. A greater sign by far than water out of a river becoming blood, but rather the blood of the Lamb of God falling from the cross is the greatest sign of all, that He gave Himself that we might be forgiven and saved and promised eternal life and promised a home in heaven. What a great sign God gives us. Listen, friends, God was serious about saving Israel out of Egypt, and God is still serious about saving people today. He is so serious about saving people that His very Son died on the cross for us. We who are once prisoners to sin are now freed by the shed blood of Jesus. And that's the message, ladies and gentlemen, that the world needs to hear. If you're visiting with us today online, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. You represent the world outside of these doors. We're here gathered as the congregation of God. But praise God, through this connection, there's a world outside of these doors hearing this message. 
some of whom probably need Jesus as Lord and Savior. Welcome. Hear the message today. It's for every single one of us. Brothers and sisters, I believe that you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, have the authority laid on us by God to share the message of Jesus. And it is to go around the world. He has equipped us better than he equipped Moses in this passage. That's an amazing truth that came to me as I studied this devotionally months ago. But here in Scripture, God has done all he can do to call Moses. He said, Moses, I'll be with you. I'll give you strength. This is my plan. These are the signs of my power. I promise you I'll walk with you step by step. All you have to do is follow me, and I will lead you to lead Israel out of Egypt. That's my promise to you. Well, Moses is on board now, isn't he? No, not yet. Not yet. All these assurances by God, and Moses is still not on board with the plan, with the call, with the obedience. So Moses has one final objection to God. Look at Exodus 4, verses 10 through 13. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Verse 13. And he said, Moses said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Let's think about those verses for a moment. Once again, Moses stacks up excuses. I can't speak well. I'm slow of speech. I stutter. I stammer. And God said, Moses, who made your mouth? I made your mouth. I know exactly what you can do. That's true for every one of us. He knows exactly what we can do in the kingdom's work. God says, I know what you can do for me. Look at verse 12 again. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Here's God's commission. Go get him, Moses. Go on to Egypt. I am with you step by step. And I will take care of you and I will lead you to, to, to say exactly the right thing at the right moment. I am with you. Let's march. Let's go. How does Moses respond? I like the simplicity of the Christian Standard Bible. Verse 13 in that translation says this. Moses says to God, Please, Lord, send somebody else. You know, it's a good thing I'm not God. Because from that burning bush, I think I'd have wretched out with a lightning bolt and took that poor thing on home. But the Bible teaches us that God is patient and long-suffering and slow to anger, and I'm glad because I've had some lightning bolts with my name on them too. He's patient with Moses. 
Now, Scripture does say that God's anger was kindled here, that Moses refused over and over again, producing excuse after excuse. But he spares Moses, and finally, finally, revival and obedience comes to Moses. And finally, with all of his heart and soul, he says, yes to God. Yes, I will follow you. Yes, I'll go to Pharaoh. Yes, I will lead the people out of Egypt. And for the next 40 years of his life, he said yes, and he never turned back, and he never turned away from God's call in his life. Now, there are hundreds of lessons in this interchange between the burning bush God and Moses himself. But here's my very simple counsel and direction to our church today as we embark on revival services. Here's the kickoff. Here's the takeoff. If God calls you this week to a new step of obedience, to a new step of ministry, to a new task in the kingdom's work, say yes to Him. Amen? Say yes to Him. That's the heart of revival. Now, the obedience that God may call you to this week may be great or it may be small. You have to be here in order to hear it. So my prayer is that we will be here together to hear the call to obedience this week. But it might be a small task. It might be a great task. You might feel insufficient. You might feel weak to the task. But remember, if God calls you, He will equip you. He will give you what you need to accomplish the task to which He calls you. That's His promise. That's His blessing upon us. You know, the old saying goes, and I heard it in the deacons' meeting this morning, that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He gives us what we need when we say yes, when we come to Him in obedience. God's character has not changed From 3,500 years ago to the burning bush to this very day, God's character has not changed. And this is what I believe. I have believed it for a long time, and I believe it from this point forward, that God has a holy task for Clifford Baptist Church. Friends, I want you to know in the many churches that I have visited simply recently, there is no church in the world like Clifford Baptist Church. And I mean that in a very positive way. Praise God for the people and for the ministry of Clifford Baptist Church. And I believe that God has equipped this church with talented, impassioned, loving people who want to go and claim the world for Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we have to say yes to Him. And we have to obey Him. Every one of us individually need to say yes to Him. Lord, I will obey however you call me. I will go for you. So... Here's the bottom line. God is going to do His part. The Spirit of God is here. He's going to do His part. But you and I have to say yes. And you and I have to be obedient to the call. And I believe, including myself, behind the pulpit, in front of the pulpit, online, if you share this revival with us this week, I believe that God will call every single one of us to revival in our lives that God will call every single one of us to some additional obedience in our lives. It may be a deeper relationship with Him. Maybe you've just skimmed the surface with Him for years, and it's time to get a deeper relationship with Him. He may call you in obedience to walk more closely with Him. 
He may call you to come home this week. Maybe there's someone even listening online today who's gotten away from church, who hasn't worshipped in church for a long time. Maybe this is your first step back into the waters of church by tuning in online. Maybe COVID has scared us. But today is the day for me to say, it's time to come home to the church. It's time for us to worship together. Maybe God calls you in obedience to that. Maybe God calls you to an obedience and a new step of service to Him. Maybe He calls you on a step of obedience to someone who is very special in your life for you to talk about Jesus with your children or your grandchildren or that very special friend of yours. And God is calling you to that obedience right now, this very moment. I need to be the image and the mentor of Jesus Christ to these special people in my life. Maybe God is calling you to surrender your life to full-time ministry. Seen it happen here quite a few times. Maybe you're the next one. What is God's call of obedience to you, to me? Let me close with one more scene from the Bible. This one from the New Testament. You don't have to open your Bible there. I'm just going to be very brief here. But this scene is so very important that God saw fit to include it in His Word three times. We see this scene in Matthew 19, Mark chapter 10, and Luke chapter 18. A rich young ruler. A very religious man, a religious leader among the people. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I have filled in all the blanks of a good life. I have been good in my life. I have fulfilled the call of being good. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I am not immoral. I honor my parents. I am good. I have done good things in my life. It tells us, especially in the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus sure did love that boy. But Jesus confronts him by saying this, young man, there's one thing you've not done. Get rid of your attachment to your money. Get rid of your attachment to earthly stuff. Sell it all. Give it to the poor. And once you break that attachment to your worldly stuff, then come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. In obedience, follow in the footsteps of Jesus. There's the call. Follow me. There was his revival. There was his moment of obedience. There was his call to the altar. And he walked away, sad, grieving, because the Savior asked him to do something that he refused to do. And he never appears in Scripture again. Listen, friends, the church is full of people who want to do good. But the question is, how many of us are willing to be obedient with everything we have? How many of us will seek the Lord's revival in our lives to follow Him step by step? I promise you this week on the Word of God, you will hear of a new step of obedience in your life. God will call you to that he will give you everything you need in that call just as he did Moses. But the question is very, very simple from the pulpit this morning. Will you and I say yes in the step of obedience, in the call to revival in our own personal lives? Really, there's only two responses to the call of Christ. Here am I, and yes, I will go. Or, Lord, please send somebody else. There's no middle ground. There's no neutrality to that. 
It's one of the two. Yes, Lord, send me, or no, Lord, send somebody else. What is your and my response to that when he calls us to obedience this week? It's a serious question. I can only answer for myself, but I pose that to you. Will you say yes to him? Praise God he gives us that opportunity. Maybe today is your moment to surrender at this altar because you know what the yes is all about in your life already. You know what the step of obedience is this morning. You know something that you're supposed to be doing for the Lord and you're going to surrender to that. Maybe it's something sinful that you're supposed to lay aside in obedience. I'm going to do that, Lord. Come to this altar. If you just want to come and kneel, you come. If you want to take a pastor by the hand, we'll pray with you, you come. If you need to kneel at the altar of your heart, wherever it is, just say yes to him this week. And if you and I will, revival will not end on Wednesday night but it will continue to grow and lives will be saved and lives will be changed because God's people at Clifford Baptist Church said yes. If you need Jesus as your Savior today, I'm here to offer that great news to you. If you're online today and you've never come to Jesus as Savior, I can't give you salvation, but I can tell you that Jesus Christ wants to save you, wants to forgive you, wants your life as son or daughter. You know, today in obedience, if you came to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is what you need to say. Lord, I am sorry that I am a sinner. And I have done things, said things, and thought things that have created this barrier, this wall between you and me. Lord, I pray that you will forgive me. And I realize that if I were to face you face to face without a Savior, I deserve hell and I deserve punishment. But Jesus filled with grace, came and died for me on the cross and spilled his own blood on the ground to take my place of punishment so that I can say yes to you, Lord, as my Savior. Today, this moment, I come to you and ask you to forgive me and ask you to save me and ask you to give me everlasting life. And the Bible promises if you will come, he will not turn you away. That invitation is for you today if you need Jesus. Church, home, whatever you need, God's people, will we say yes to him? Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments, Lord, that we worship you. Thank you that the Spirit of God is in this place. We feel your presence. And Lord, now in these moments, I pray that you will bless us, that we will respond to your call of obedience. Revival is nothing more than a new step of obedience in a believer's life. Help us this week, beginning this moment, to seek to follow you, Lord. Bless that one who needs Jesus as Lord and Savior to simply come and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I am sorry, and I ask you to forgive me by the blood shed by your son, Jesus, for me. Thank you that on the third day he rose from the grave, and I will have eternal life as your child. Church home, whatever the need, Father, I know this moment that you meet us here and will meet us in each evening that we meet in this week to come. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.